Hello, I'm Becky. And I'm Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway! Podway. Alright, so this is the podcast where we talk about all the things about musicals. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this last uh, episode on Waitress, but today we'll be talking about Come From Away. So uh, before we'll talk a little bit more about Come From Away, how about we each share something that we're enjoying at the moment? Okay. So. So. Do you want to start, Claire? <laughs> sure, why not, right? Yeah. Sure, sure. So I was on keto diet for about three months, and Ooh. it finally came to an end yesterday. So I'm very happy wow. to go back to my life with rice and bread and carbs. So just very feeling happy about that. So that's the highlight of the day. <laughs> Doesn't mean you can eat carbs now? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What about you, Becky? Um. So... My siblings and I started watching uh, an anime that uh, Claire is also really, really familiar with. It's called Kurokono Basket. <laughs> and um, uh, it's very exciting, actually, because I get to introduce both my brother and my sister to Kisa, who is my favorite character. Oh, um, so if you like sports anime or if you like anime in general, highly recommend uh, the iconic Kurokono Basket. It's really good, guys. I mean, it's not realistic in terms of basketball, but hey, who looks for real sports in anime anyways, right? (laughs) Um, But yeah, let's get into the musical. So Come From Away is essentially a story. um, It's happening on 9-11 in a small town called Gander. It's a Newfoundland in Canada. Um, So essentially within the story, the population is doubled as a plane had to go into an emergency mode and land in Gander. And on the 38 planes that landed were 7,000 individuals that had to go there due to the closure of the U.S. airspace. So um, throughout the entire story, culture is clash at first because all the passengers are from different places, uh, but the hospitality and kindness of the town people uh, really helped bond everybody there. So it's a very wholesome story, I'd say. And it's it's a real story. So all the the events there were uh, somewhat real. (laughs) Right. Actually, I think I read this on the news saying that one of the, the real person from this real event, actually, she became friends with the person who portrays her in the musical. You're talking about uh, the actress who played Beverly? Yes. Who was the That's pilot. Right. So, she, yeah, she uh, became really good friends with uh, Beverly, the pilot of the real event. Um, and it's really heartwarming to see. If you see a bit of their um, Twitter correspondence, I think it's uh, it's very cute. It's really- uh, so you can see they really were very respectful about how they approached creating the musical. The, mu- the musical itself was created by two Canadians, which is nice to see. Um, and we can get straight into it. So I think we can first go uh, song by song and then interject some of our thoughts throughout. So let's start with the first song, which is Welcome to the Rock. On the northeast tip of North America, on an island called Newfoundland, there's an airport. It used to be one of the biggest airports in the world, and next to it is a town called Gander. Welcome to the rock if you come from away. You probably understand about half of what we say. They say no man's an island, but an island makes a man. Especially when one comes from one like Newfoundland. Welcome to the rock. 
So in the song, we get introduced to Gander, the town. Uh, it's essentially a rural town in eastern Canada. Uh, and we get to have a little bit of introduction to the citizens of Gander and focus on what kind of a place it is and the way of life and attitudes of the people in the town. So what did you think of it, Claire? Honestly, my first impression of the song was like, what is happening? Because it didn't <laughs> sound like a song very much. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Come from away is this uh, musical that is not very musicy to me. <laughs> it, there's a lot of talking and and there was a lot of people on stage. Like you know, like this musical is based on events where like seven thousand people were there. So really, you get to see a lot of people on stage at one time. And um, mm-hmm. having to you know catch up with who's talking and who's saying what was a uh, really kept me busy in the first song yeah. I think and um and the, sure. the first impression of the musical for me when I was introduced to the this very first song was that everything's to be seems like it's very lively like the town is very small and sweet and um mm-hmm. people seems very, pretty energetic it it brings that really cute energy into into the play mm-hmm. but um but yeah I would say m- most of the time I was actually kind of confused because I'm really trying to catch up with what's going on <laughs> uh, yeah. honestly that's totally fair and I feel like that could only be exacerbated later on because all the actors in here play both the townsfolk and also the plain people so yeah. people switch roles constantly and it's really confusing um, mm. and in here since we don't know anybody and nobody is really referred to by name uh, and if they are, it's not focused on, so it's really difficult to catch that. Uh, it could be really confusing to watch. But personally, I thought it was more sing-songy, actually, than the majority of them. So as you mentioned, a lot of the musical is actually in a in a strange combination of talking and singing. It's kind of like chanting or uh, rhythmic talking almost. And uh, this one has more singing than some of the other parts. And I thought it was really, really fun. It felt like chanting to me um, when they said, like, I am an islander. I really like that part because it felt, like, really energetic. Right, and you really get right. to feel that it's something that is really core to their um, being. Uh, mm-hmm. So I thought it was nice to see. In the song, we actually get introduced to 9-11 and the terrorist attack on the Twin Towers. And uh, we get to see how the people in the town reacted to it during the moment of hearing about it. So obviously it's something that completely rattled the entire world. And uh, personally, I'm, I was too young to remember. Uh, I'm guessing the situation is similar for you, Claire. Yeah, I was not even in North America at the time. So neither, Yeah, neither was yeah. I. And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's something that is global, right? It changed so many True. things throughout the world. And it was such a important event in world history so it is something that was definitely talked about but we're about like what five um when it happened that it's not something that really like it flew over my head and I don't really have any memories personally relating to it but you definitely still feel the aftermath of what happened then till to this very day to be honest definitely definitely yeah what I like about um the musical so after the song um, mm-hmm. I think we see that the was it a mayor of the town? Yes. And then he mm-hmm. like walks into the Tim Hortons and he like kind of introduces <laughs> us um, to his day and how he's usually start his day. I thought it was so relatable. Listen, the entire musical is so laden with Canadian iconography. Like 
I swear in every single song or like every single like uh, interaction they find a way to like hammer in some Canadian thing so Tim Hortons is obviously something that's going to be really popular they're talking about shoppers about Rogers about Celine Dion Um, so if you wanted to have something that is Canada the musical this is very much it yeah this is really I feel like it's like Canada in one musical if you know what I mean exactly yeah, exactly. it's like just the personality, the the references, and like the energy and things like that. It's very so Canadian. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're a Canadian, and you're going to watch the show, you're gonna laugh so hard because everything For they sure. say is just very very relatable. And if you're not coming from Canada, then well, this is your chance to get to know Canada a little bit. <laughs> yeah, at a this personal is life Canada, level, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, the other major important thing I think that we learn about in the song is the airport. Mm-hmm. So we learn that Newfoundland and specifically Gander used to be a really big deal before, uh, during the Cold War and I think World War II as well, because um, it's the one of the most northeastern point in North America and it was strategically really useful, but uh, it's no longer relevant. So they're thinking actually about destroying the airport. Or significantly narrowing it down. So this is uh, something that we'll definitely hear throughout the musical. And just to hark back on the Canadianness of the musical, I've never been to Newfoundland. I have no idea how accurate the accent is. I would be really curious <laughs> to know if any of you have been to Newfoundland, how accurate the Canadian accent there is, because people in Toronto definitely don't sound like that. Um, There's an accent where- difference? Oh, for sure. I from what I've read, like Newfoundland and Labrador are like very Irish provinces. Um, people from like Ireland and Scotland um, populate like in large amounts these uh, islands. I am yeah. so shocked. Uh, their accents mean... often have been described <laughs> like that. Holy okay, I didn't know that. I kind of just yeah. assumed <laughs> that all Canadians except Quebec will sound pretty oh, much no. the same. So, I mean, you would have oh more gosh. experience with it than I would because you lived for like a long time uh, in various Canadian provinces and I've only lived in Ontario. So I have very different experiences than you. But I feel like Canada, like the United States or any big place, would obviously have their own different uh, dialects and different accents depending on where you're from. Interesting. Guys, if you're from Newfoundland... Um, let us know. Yes, let us Is that know. right? Do you actually have like a different <laughs> accent? It's, I, I'm I'm just really shocked. But come on, l- let us know if um if they did it right in a musical. I'm so curious to know now. From what I've read, they actually toned down the Newfoundland accent. Really? So it's not as extreme, but they made sure to like really enrich the entire text with Newfoundland slang. So the rock is apparently real life slang for Newfoundland. Um, and they have put like other other little like slang that is like specifically originating from Newfoundland throughout the musical. And I think that's a really cute touch. Um, wow, and cute. the last thing I think that is noticeable or I noticed um, that I really enjoyed is the actors. Typically, I feel like I see really like young, attractive, um, mainly white actors in Broadway and in Broadway shows. And I really enjoyed seeing how diverse the cast is in terms of appearance, in terms of weight, in terms of races. Uh, I thought that was really, really nice to see. 
Yeah, I, I think it's definitely one of the things that is um, sort of like a focus of the musical too, mm-hmm. is just the diversity and uh, and not just race and or religions, um, like even sexuality and things like that. Like it gets mm-hmm. touched upon a little bit in the musical yes. too. So um, I mean, meanwhile, like we know it's pretty Canadian, and we'll talk about that more later. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just nice to see that kind of thing gets brought up. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I, that's something that I really enjoyed seeing and would love to see more of. Um, but moving on to the next song, uh, which is 38 Planes. So uh, in the song, we get introduced to the existence of the plane people, even though we don't get to hear anything from their perspective yet, really. Um, mm-hmm. So this is more about the town folk reacting to the arrival of the plane and deliberating how to house these many people Um And they really come together as a town to put their differences aside and work together in order to tackle this issue. I think it's a it's a relatively brief song. Yeah, it's very Uh, short, I think. It is very short. A lot of these songs actually are very short. Um, So we might be skipping a few just to get to the more meaty ones. Yeah. Uh, and we'll probably mention, oh, we skipped this one because it's literally <laughs> a five life song. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to waste like several minutes on it. But uh, the, the thing that I noticed here is just like the atmosphere uh, with the way they keep chanting like 38 planes um, and one plane and another and another and another. You get to feel the dread of the town of like what they have to tackle. And I think it really helps build up kind of like the momentum towards the sheer size of the issue they have to tackle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think it's one thing to know that there was 7,000 people in the town mm-hmm. and the other to really get sense of feeling of what that may feel like. Oh, absolutely. And actually something to note, which I didn't know before this, uh, before doing some research for the musical, is um, Gander... And Newfoundland is not the only place that all the plane landed. Uh, a lot of planes landed throughout Canada. And oh. uh, some of them landed in Toronto. Some of them landed in Vancouver, uh, in Montreal. So uh, Gander wasn't the only place, but it's probably the smallest place that they yeah. landed in. Because all the all the places I mentioned are like pretty big cities within Canada. And this one is like a tiny little village, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's move on to 28 Hours. So in this song, we get introduced to the plain people proper. Um, so we get to see things from their perspective and how they handled um, the situation while they were just sitting on the plane without exiting to Canada. What did you think of it? I think is another song that was really confusing. Well, like just a lot happening. <laughs> oh, for <laughs> like, sure, for sure. You can you can really feel, and maybe it was you know meant to be that way. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely like a lot of people were speaking it was like a lot of single lines going around and um and right. you get to see like what everybody is concerned about i think it's a very nice kind of like a t- continuation of um the 38 planks like it kind of gives you another perspective from the plank people and um really just how they're feeling about what's going on because nobody knows what's going on at that point yeah um but in terms of the actors i feel like throughout the musical the people who get to really shine are the plain people and they also have all the narratives so um for example the kevins and oh, i love um, the kevins they're so cute for sure and uh, uh also beverly who's the pilot and uh, hannah of course what a what a heartbreaking arc she has and um diana nick 
So all the people with real big substances, as much as you can have in this musical, are uh, plain people. Mm-hmm. So we get to see things from their perspective. But some of the things I actually really liked here is um, we go from like the really harsh break of um, one of the planes uh, had people with phones and they found out that uh, there are rumors about what happened within a terrorist attack and they're just throwing it out there and there's a huge amount of panic. And then it really quickly breaks into another plane that doesn't know anything they don't have any phones uh and they're just like doing whatever and the way they're breaking it is just like with a woo after like people were <laughs> super panicking before and i was like oh that's adorable um <laughs> and uh in the in the happy-go-lucky i guess plane we'll name it the canadian icon that is celine dion was featured in the titanic portion and yeah. that's something we hear again and uh, that was such a joy to watch first time I watched it. Uh, it was so funny. And I really, <laughs> I really liked that moment. Nice. I think my favorite moment from the song was, um, was when Kevin introduced themselves. And uh, oh, yes. the person saying like, yeah, my boyfriend, Kevin, we were both named Kevin. And it was cute for a while. I don't know why <laughs> that line, that particular line really got me. It was so funny. <laughs> uh, honestly, yeah. But I can feel how exhausting slash funny it might be and that's like something that we're going to go into the personalities of Kevin like one of them I guess is pretty grumpy about being in the situation and rightfully so he's also from New York originally so I I bet this hit him differently and the other Kevin is pretty like happy not happy but like trying to make the most of the situation yeah they have very um, different reactions to the event Mm -hmm. exactly and I I can imagine like the uh, more optimistic Kevin being like oh we have like a party line to introduce ourselves whenever we want and the grumpy Kevin is like oh my god I, do I have to do this another time it's so annoying but it's such a it's a it's a very fun one and uh yeah I mean here throughout the song we get to know the most important plain people and uh we don't get much of Hannah at this point actually but we we get to know both Kevin's Nick Dan and Beverly Okay. Um, yep. Darkness and Trees. And now here I am. Oh my god. This is just so remote. Into the darkness. Stars and moonlight. Look all around us. Nothing but darkness. Out of the window. Into the darkness. Darkness and trees. What do you so, think? I like it. So in this section, the plane people will get to leave the plane and enter into Gander and into Canada. Um, so Darkness and Trees, in, musically, is one of my favorite songs here. Um, not this one particularly, but the reprise, actually, I really like. Mm-hmm. And I'll mention it when it happens. But um, things to note here is we get to see, like, the beginning of Islamophobia, which is something that uh, really rose astronomically after 9-11. Um, So we get to see like the little buds of it with um, the suspicion around Ali, who is from the Middle East. I believe he's from Egypt. Um, And there is a lot of like fear and suspicion surrounding him. And also uh, one of the characters I really like, she she tends to animals. She she exclaims that there are monkeys on the plane and we get to see a really cute narrative of her trying to take care of the rare 
pregnant bonobo <laughs> chimpanzee. I yeah. love that so much. I cannot say enough how much I love that. <laughs> and another important animal that happens here. Do you know the moment, Claire? What? Come on, yeah, tell us. That's a moose. <laughs> so Canadian. I know. You can't get any more Canadian than that. Exactly. She'll she'll move when she's good and ready. Yeah. Okay, so actually one of my favorite characters, even though that he's not really one of the main characters, was um was Bob, I think. Oh, I love Bob. He's my favorite yeah. too. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh my yes. god. <laughs> and I just I just love him so much, guys. If you watch it, like Bob is this one person that um I think he's really nervous and he was like yeah, really paranoid. Exactly, when, when he got to Newfoundland, because he has no idea where they are, and he was making all these comments, like, he was worried about getting robbed, he was worried about um, all these, like, soldiers and stuff happening, like, he has basically no idea where is Newfoundland and what this means, but later on the show, like, you see this, like, total transformation of Bob from cautious outsider to, like, really falling, feeling like he belongs here, and I love that. For sure. It's one of the most, like, heartwarming arcs yeah. throughout it. It's really... And he doesn't even get a lot of screen time. It just... Exactly. It's really cute to see. Whenever he's there, he just interjects so much personality. I really like seeing it. But in terms of the soldier, honestly, I can imagine if I was surrounded by soldiers, I would be freaky, too. That's um, true. Yeah, you don't have to be a, an overly anxious person <laughs> in order to be freaked out by, like, a bunch of soldiers, pr- uh, like, surrounding you and being mm-hmm. in a strange place that you don't know, uh, mm-hmm. which is actually the entire point of the song. Like, this is, like, the first exposure of the plain people to, uh, Gan- to Gander and some of them probably to Canada as well. And you're just like, oh, there's nothing here. It's just literally darkness. Where on earth are we? Um, so this is a lovely first impression. Oh, no. What? Oh, no, 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 no. I got the moment wrong. So the Yeah, That's a Moose part is on the bus, which is the next song. <laughs> well, they're very so close to each other. so <laughs> They are very close to each other. I literally just had to, like, pause occasionally and be like, which song are we on? Because everything is very continuous. And because some of the songs are, like, literally, like, five to ten lines, it's like, exactly. oh, I didn't realize we, we left from one song to another. Okay. So, yeah, on the bus... Most important thing is, yeah, that's a moose for me. I think we can move on. (laughs) Yeah, let's move on. Yes. Um, The next thing is uh, is my favorite, which is darkness and trees. Um, So I think it's uh, it's really nice. It's uh, it's sung in both English and Swahili, and it's really meant to show the first time where the plain people and the town folk unified into like one being almost uh with a moment like oh and that's how we started speaking the same language and they had like the huge drum line and they speak english and swahili simultaneously i thought it was just really lovely to see to be honest and that's how we started speaking the same language Yeah, 
I like this song too. I think it's just it, you you don't see that very much. Like you know the same song but two languages. And even though it's not French, but it's very Canadian too <laughs> to be bilingual yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think probably the majority of us are bilingual at least. I think um, so. Yeah. And then after that, there is Lead Us Out of the Night. And um, that's actually a very somber moment. This is the moment where the plane people watch the news and learn about the attack on the Twin Towers. And uh, kind of take a moment to just feel it, I'd say. I didn't even think. They haven't seen any of it yet. Lead us out of the darkness. We're all staring at those images. And we just stand helpless watching them. Lead us somewhere to safety. We barely know where we are, but we know it's not there. Yeah. I think this is like a more mm, heavier song. Yeah, it's know. a very, very yeah. somber moment for sure. Exactly. So, moving on to the next song. Yes. Um, the next song is Phoning Home. To be honest, there is very little that is sung here. It's just showing how much of a need to um, connect with your loved ones is and making sure that everybody's okay. Um, the next really meaty song is the costume party. Wait, actually, um, from this, from this um, phone uh, oh, phoning home song, yes. the highlight for me in the song was when one um, Kevin says, safe and sound here on the ground on Iceland, and the other Kevin says, no, it's Newfoundland. And I don't know why, but that phrase just really, really stands out for me. And it was just so funny. Yeah, honestly, like Secretary Kevin is hilarious in general for me. Um, and I don't know, he, he just gets like a much more, he gets like the interesting wine liners or like the, yeah. the fun lines in comparison to like uh, Boss Kevin, who is more earnest, uh, which Definitely. is something that we get to see a lot more in the next song, which is Costume Party. I can't quite explain But when I woke When David wasn't on that plane It's like I changed into somebody else But who? And it's somehow like we're at a costume party And for a second you are not yourself You are not yourself And you look around and blink your eyes And barely even recognize The person in the mirror who's turned into someone else um, and in this song, essentially, the passengers feel not like themselves. They have to really rely on the goodness of the townspeople in order to, um, you know, survive this traumatic experience, like borrowing somebody else's clothing. And for me, that like really symbolizes having to shed who you were as a person before uh, 9-11, before the terrorist attack, and having to reinvent yourself as a person for this specific time in Gander for the five days they stayed there. Uh, and it, it's a really it's a really heartwarming, but also kind of song, like sad song. It's kind of somber. Mm, I agree. I think this is like when the time they really come to like a realization in real life. And it's not just no longer just the things that they hear or know about. It's like really happening in their life and it reflects on their clothing and reflects on where they live, where they sleep, that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, throughout the song, even though it's a, it's kind of like a very sad song, uh, they do manage to weave through it a lot of funny moments <laughs> and a lot of uh, character uh, characterization. 
Uh, so you get to see their personality. So like we mentioned um, about the Kevins, you get to see like the secretary Kevin is feeling really negative about the town and uh, having to stay in Gander in comparison to uh, boss Kevin, who's like really trying to make the most out of the experience and he's feeling more hopeful about the situation. And that could be because secretary Kevin is from New York originally and uh, he probably was hit much harder than boss Kevin, who's from LA. And we also get to see a hint of the fact that they're going to get broken up later on when he corrects his sister um, that Brooklyn is his home, not LA. And LA obviously symbolizes boss Kevin and Brooklyn uh, symbolizes like a breakup. Like he doesn't think of boss Kevin as family. And a very important note for me about the Kevins is that they're vegetarian. And I don't get to see a lot of vegetarian um, characters. I don't know why. I mean, it's not like it's an important fact that there are vegetarians. But to me, as a vegetarian, it felt really important that they voiced that. So Mm. thank you to the showmakers for pointing that out. And speaking of food, something that we see, a comment that we'll also see later on, is uh, Beulah, one of the townsfolk, is serving fish with cheese which sounds absolutely disgusting to me like i i can only envision the smell and probably smells like the entire town would reek from that i mean they and, actually uh, sound pretty good individually but when ooh, they put a fish and cheese oh individually, like, individually. by itself it, it's probably gonna be good but when you put the two together i don't know yes agreed it's like another like uh, beloved canadian <laughs> cuisine poutine which I don't I never connected to I never understood the concept or the idea of poutine it's seriously no (laughs) you like poutine hey it's it's fries with cheese what else can you ask for and gravy it just sounds like it'll be a soggy mess yeah well it gets it does get soggy you know after a while so you have to eat a hot Fries always have to be eaten hot for me. I know some people like fries cold and some people eat like cold pizza and stuff like that. But I um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think fries actually really work cold. Um, and that could be because I personally only like the McDonald fries really. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, fish with cheese, disgusting. And Ali, who <laughs> we find out later on is an international chef. For, or is in a chef or an international hotel chain, uh, is is kind of uh, dubious about the the decision of of combining fish and cheese. So uh, he uh, he doesn't enjoy this in this specific song. But later on, actually, in the end of the show, we see that uh, he's asking Beulah for the recipe. So that's character development right there. Another thing that I found really nice in the song is that we get to see Bonnie, who is uh, another uh, one of the town folk. Uh, interact with the two rare bonobo chimpanzees for I think the first time and that's another thing that they'll weave throughout the show and I really really like how much she cares for the chimpanzees it's so cute and uh, overall they they find a way to like make the environmental message in this song really really pronounced because the two couples the couples are going to be breaking up and the couple to be so like the Kevins who are going to be breaking up and Diana Nick who are the couples to be they go together to a bar and uh we found we find out that Nick is working for like an oil company and the Kevins are already like oh judging him yeah exactly (laughs) because they work for an environmental company and obviously they wouldn't be liking Nick uh with his line of work and uh the last thing that is really really fun here I think is uh has to do with Bob you mean the the scene when like he picks up the 
the grail? Yeah. Yes. Oh man. So um so Bob was tasked to pick up the grills from like one of the I guess town folks backyard. And the whole time he was wor- worried about getting shot at. Like I think it just talks about how dangerous it is to live in the US. Um but when he was find out so one of the persons actually found out about him when he was trying to remove the well move the grills away. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm getting shot. And, but instead, this person <laughs> offers him tea. So there was this big shocking moment for Bob. And he was like, oh, my God, I get offered tea everywhere I go in this town. I guess I no longer have to worry about getting robbed. And uh, the last thing I think actually of note is uh, the fact that when they got to the bar, the Kevins were trying to hide the fact that they were a couple uh, mm-hmm. because they're scared that people would be judging them or even potentially getting violent. They don't know who those Canadian rednecks are. Um, <laughs> so uh, they, they really tried hard, but obviously everybody saw through it and saw that they were a couple. And uh, they had just an entire conversation about like who, like how much the town is gay and who knows uh, who who is gay and stuff yeah. like that. So uh, they were they were uh, very very nicely accepted in the end. Okay, and from this uh, from this song we actually go to one of the saddest song, um, more heart wrenching songs in the musical, which is I am here. Um, and in this song, essentially Hannah um, kind of laments over the fact that she can't contact her son. She's been trying to contact him through every channel that she possibly could. And she's staying at home most of the time rather than do anything else in the town like we see other of the passengers doing um, because she doesn't want to miss the phone call telling her about her son's well-being. I should be there when it's over and done when he comes through the door and says, I'm home, Mom. I should be there for my son, but instead I am I think this is like a very strong contrast compared to the last song because even though that you still kind of see people getting worried and um, you know feeling pretty depressed or whatever like in mm-hmm. the last song overall has a more energetic vibe but mm-hmm. I'm here is like a very emotional song that's about kind of like relating back to the reality in a way yeah exactly yeah. so I think it it gives me as an audience like that contrast like because like you know sometimes it's easy to be carried away and be like oh you know they're having like a good time and uh and these people are so nice to them like they should be able to relax and whatever but really in reality there are these people like Hannah who constantly worry about the safety of her family I don't know that's just like a reality check sort of so it's like even though this whole thing might seem like it's happy or like is energetic whatever but it's a very serious and horrifying and sad moment for most people absolutely for sure um for me musically I'd say like it's uh my second favorite song Mm -hmm. of the musical it's it's a very um tough moment I think to listen to but it's really meaningful and you totally get the emotion uh that they're trying to convey in the song it's it's very clear and uh you can't help but empathize with uh Hannah and uh be completely astounded by the quality of the performance because the the song itself is is hard to perform and uh and 
the actress or the singer who does it here does it beautifully. Um, but uh, in the song, you also get to see more of the friendship side of Beulah and Hannah, um, because you do get to see a little bit of Beulah in the song, and uh, they bond over the fact that um, Hannah's son really liked bad jokes. <laughs> and to make Hannah feel better, Beulah has been trying to uh, share with her some bad jokes. And I think it's really it's really sweet how um, how much she's trying to make her like Hannah's time the most and trying to cheer her up as much as she can in this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, friendship is so yeah. beautiful. It's so cute, honestly, yeah. and it's only going to grow from there on. So that's that's something that like even though she. She, we will find out that she lost her son ultimately. Um, she did gain a friend, and that's mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Um, and from here, which is one of like the the emotional um, highs of this uh, of this musical, probably not the most, but one of the one of the tops. Uh, mm-hmm. We get to see one of the more peaceful songs, which is prayer. To be mm-hmm. honest, I don't have many thoughts about prayer. I thought Me too. Uh, it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just overall very peaceful. It's it's unity between religions in this case. Um, the the musical overall highlights like different aspects of, you know, uh, differences. I guess like racial or um, gender differences, mm-hmm. and in this case, religion differences. And uh, in each of these, um, I guess, categories, they show how they unite as well. Mm-hmm. And this is the religion aspect. And uh, it's it's peaceful. It's nice. I can say the accent of the person who sang in Hebrew was pretty good. But oh, I don't okay. Have... Good to know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I don't have any, any, any other comments. Maybe just from what I've noticed, I only... I, I think they only talked about, like, the monotheistic religion. So, like, Christianity, Judaism, Islam. They didn't touch about, like, Eastern, I guess, uh, religions. And that that would have been nice if they did, uh, or maybe they did, and I missed it because I'm not familiar with them that much. <laughs> but uh, I I didn't notice any any non monotheistic religion. So okay, let's go with on the edge. So this is a very stark contrast to the peaceful song, and we're going to like really, um, hmm, the town or the the plain <laughs> folks are very frustrated in this situation because they're completely crammed together. They don't have any agency. They don't have much knowledge of what's happening because they only have access to the news, but they don't have knowledge about their loved one, like Hannah, or they don't have like more information. And it's not only them; like people in the United States also didn't know uh, that mm-hmm. much because. Uh, everything was in chaos, right? So mm-hmm. you can imagine how irritable that could make a person. And this is really showing how different cultures and uh, clash and uh, the the Islamophobia that is starting mm-hmm. to brew here and how uh, Muslim people were attacked. Yeah, definitely. Uh, overall in Asia. I think the lines that really hit me, I guess, was when Ali was trying to talk on the phone, I guess, to his family or friends in um, Arabic. And there's this other gentleman saying that, well, what are you, what are you saying? Um, are you praying for your friends? Are you telling them where to bomb next? And Ali was trying to explain that this is not all Muslims and he was not doing any of that. But this gentleman still insisted, saying that, oh, you should go back to where you came from. And... There was this other um, Muslim passenger, a female one, and she was saying that she's a Muslim, but she was born in USA, and she's indeed an American citizen. And the other person responded saying that, well, you don't look like American. And she says, mm-hmm. what, is, what does that even mean? So to me, like, 
it's the whole thing happened here happened so fast like the whole thing maybe took maybe under 20 seconds mm-hmm. but for me it's very personally relatable <laughs> too because um I I heard like people saying that kind of comment to me before as well like oh well, you don't look Canadian or like you should go back mm-hmm. to where you come from then you should go back to China even though I'm not from China so sometimes like there's <laughs> there's this part of me want to say well it, you know what like that's not where I'm from but okay so yeah yeah so I don't know I just find this very relatable and um I can I know the experience I had is no match or um, is not even close to a level of discrimination they must have felt, you know, during that time, especially. But mm-hmm. still, it's a very hurtful feeling when somebody says that to you, like mm-hmm. somebody being that aggressive and attacking right. you is just is just very, very hurting. I think as an immigrant, that's just I, I guess my personal experience speaks to that. So it just, mm-hmm. when I read the lines, when I see it on the show, even though it's very, very brief, like I still feel very personally affected by it. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the fact that you're sharing this really shows the racial aspect of uh, the xenophobia towards immigrants because mm-hmm. I'm also an immigrant, uh, but I'm white, Claire's Asian. I've never gotten any racist comment or any xenophobic comment towards me uh, ever. Uh, nobody ever said any anything that could be like racially motivated towards me because they knew my identity. Um, and I think that's just that's just wild how two immigrants can have such a different experience just because of our race mm-hmm. um and that's that's really troubling and i also asked my uh, my siblings in preparation if anybody ever said anything to them um and my parents and nobody said anything mean wow um, nobody ever and in fact like um sometimes they try to guess where we're from from our accent and uh, because it's really so small nobody actually guesses correctly most of the time unless they are from there uh and my dad says like usually um people are so nice to him they think he's from germany most of the time and uh it was the world cup and it was germany versus brazil and uh people were congratulating him left and right for germany winning and uh he's like that's really nice but i'm not german So it's really, it's really strange. And, uh, and when you're saying this, I I just, uh, I I couldn't believe that people do this in Canada. Um, But obviously, Canada can be incredibly racist. Um, Did did anybody ever do to you, say these kind of comments to you in Toronto? Yeah, they did. I remember like one time I was taking the subway with my brother. And uh, Mm -hmm. we were speaking Chinese because that's just how we communicate at home (laughs) and um Mm -hmm. so this old lady walks up to us and she didn't like shout at us or anything but instead she just said well if you are not planning to learn english then maybe you should go back to where you come from and she just left horrible that is horrible um do you find that most of the comments like that were directed towards you were like xenophobic or like obviously we're the the comments were racially motivated because mm-hmm. we're both immigrants so we both have accents and you got these comments and I haven't but did they center about like uh, xenophobia or like more scared of where you could be coming from or more towards your race <sighs> wow I don't even know I think it's just like a race <laughs> thing probably um mm-hmm. I heard things like I remember this very clearly so when I just moved to Canada I was staying in this um this is a little town in British Columbia. And mm-hmm. um, also on a bus. <laughs> but I was taking the bus and there's this old white man. 
shouting at me saying that well you Chinese steals our job and you should go back to China whatever whatever so terrible I think that's just one of the things that I constantly hear and not maybe not personally but I I know that a lot of um other Asians who live in Canada also have heard like similar comments before which is either Mm -hmm. around you're stealing our jobs or like you're raising the house prices by too high like things like that or like you're the reason why we can't afford to buy houses and sometimes it, it surprises my family back in Asia as well like a lot of them mm-hmm. they don't think that it would be this serious because they look at America and they'll be like well you know what what's going on in U.S. is probably a lot more serious or a lot more dramatic than, than mm. Canada and in comparison Canada seems like this very peaceful nice country where everybody's super nice to each other and i agree Mm -hmm. to some extent that is true like in comparison to us like what we have here might not seem as bad but Mm -hmm. it doesn't change the fact that these things just still happen you know obviously i can't speak on behalf of everybody from asia but Mm -hmm. um i think this is a pretty common experience in general yeah yeah it's terrible and really canada gets by like with so much um they, we get to feel so good about ourselves because of how terrible the united states is in terms of like racism <laughs> and a lot of other stuff uh and the bar the united states is setting is so low that like it really doesn't mean anything that you're better than the united states in these kind of terms and honestly like with some uh some groups we're not even better like the indigenous situation in canada is really deplorable so not only are we only like somewhat better, we're not like better in all aspects, and that's uh that's kind of horrible. Yeah. But um, do better, Canada. Uh, but yeah, this is like this is a pretty pretty fun fantasy. It's like a good escapism, I guess, um, or it could be of like a, a utopia where people are mostly nice to each other and don't judge each other by like their race, religion, or sexuality. But these kind of stuff definitely do happen in Canada and uh in big cities as well i can't i can't really vouch for a small uh village experience i did hear that newfoundland is is very nice but i can't vouch for them but uh it definitely definitely happens here and just to spill the canadian tea um if you want to avoid it i would say like avoid quebec the most from what i've heard (laughs) like these are the (laughs) uh quebec and uh alberta i heard were the most like iffy (laughs) Really, Robinson. Alberta? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, because I know okay, Quebec so in Alberta, sure, but okay. Listen, Alberta um has the uh, honorable, esteemed reputation of being the Texas of Canada. So wow. when you hear Texas, you don't really expect uh, no offense to Texan listeners, but you don't really <laughs> expect people to be very uh, PC or understanding of others. And uh, this is this is the stereotype of Alberta in Canada. Um, so more more Canadian tea. <laughs> I'm sure Albertas <laughs> are lovely. In fact, um, uh, my parents live in Alberta, uh, and Edmonton has has been very welcoming from from when I've been there. But uh, this is your reputation, so own it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, so let's go to the next song, which is in the bar slash heave away, and we can just like mash it in with screech in. To be honest, when I listen to the musicals in general, it's really difficult to distinguish which of the songs are which, and especially mm-hmm. when some of them are like five to ten lines and are not even sung. Like they're they have like the the thing that we talked about earlier that is like sing songy, 
speaking. Um, yeah. So it's not like totally speaking like in a play, but it's it just has like some rhythmic elements to this. So some of the, the songs, quote unquote, are that. So we'll just mesh them together. So um, to tie this to when we're following this, which is February in 2021, sea shanties are really popular in TikTok. And Heave Away is a popular Newfoundland sea shanty. So uh, those who really enjoy those, um, I would highly recommend for you to check that out and maybe make it more popular than it is because it's uh, it's <laughs> deserving. And uh, in the entire scene, we get to see the Kevins, uh, Diane, Nick, and um, Bob, Bob in the bar. Bob! <laughs> in the bar, and they become the new Newfoundlanders members uh, of the town. Um, and we also see Beulah and Hannah choosing to stay home just in case the uh, phone rings. So what did you think of the song? I really like the song. Like <laughs> so much funny. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so much fun. It's so energetic. Like you can see like all these people, the playing people really trying to feel like in a way that they belong here. They agree with the culture. Mm-hmm. They like the people. They volunteer to become the Newfoundlander. I love yes. Bob's enthusiasm <laughs> when he's like, right here, I wanna be the volunteer. Um Bob and is we're living also, his best life there. Honestly. I know, I know. I remember, like, I think maybe in the beginning of the song, he was like, "Now I'm not worried about getting robbed anymore. I'm just worried yeah. that I'm drinking way too much whiskey." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love him too much. So with the mayor, <laughs> with the mayor, with the mayor, yes. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's just so fun to listen to, and um, you get to see maybe a little bit of the Kevins, you know, mm-hmm. falling apart because. One, Kevin was uh, really enthusiastic and excited. Boss to... Kevin. Sorry? Boss Kevin. I don't know Boss why. Kevin. I, they have, they, we have the first <laughs> initial of their last name to help distinguish between them. But I call them Boss and Secretary Kevin because I, I, I'm not going to bother remembering the first initial of their last name, <laughs> to be honest. All right. Well, he was really enthusiastic and excited to, like, you know, kiss the cod or kiss, like, you know, kiss the fish to become a Newfoundlander and he's like enjoying the moment. Um, mm. Whereas the secretary Kevin is like, well, if you kiss the fish, I'm never going to kiss you again. But the boss Kevin still is like, well, I will take the risk and he does it anyways. Oh, totally. And also the fact that uh, secretary Kevin leaves in the middle of the uh, of the song, essentially, he goes back home, and Boss Kevin doesn't even notice. So mm-hmm. I think that that suggests Aww. that uh, there might be a rift. There might be a rift. Um, and also something that I noticed uh, actually during one of the, I think it was costume party, but uh, when they were changing clothes, uh, Boss Kevin was wearing plaid, which is like the Canadian uniform, and. Um, he says he's going incognito with a native and that shows like his willingness to um you know make the most of the situation i guess and uh secretary kevin was disgusted so (laughs) (laughs) um and i mean i understand plot is not for everybody but uh that was really cute the um we get to see, I guess, like one of the more meaningful experiences with Nick and Diane in terms of uh, the mayor thought that they were married and they're asking like, oh, you know, how come you live in Texas and you live in London? How does that work with your marriage? And then they correct them that they're not married. And when they have to kiss the cod, Nick does it. 
but Dan doesn't want to kiss the cod, and uh, the mayor gives her an ultimatum. You can either kiss the cod, or you can kiss Nick. And she chose to kiss Nick, and they're so cute. Aww. They're so adorable. I love them. Um, other thing I say for me was the the iconography of the scene. So they had to wear, like, I guess more Canadian or like probably more Eastern Canada uniform um and they're like kind of wore these rain hats and to me they look like the hat from Paddington Bear so Mm -hmm. Paddington Bear for those who don't know uh it besides being a very like successful movie franchise um it was also like a show that I watched as a as a kid and he had like this yellow rain hat that kind of reminded me of the Sherlock Holmes hat but it was Mm -hmm. in yellow and like vinyl I think mm-hmm. and it was really really cute and I really liked it and I kind of want to buy it to be honest seriously you should yeah it's cute I mean I would <laughs> never wear it outside but it's so cute it's I, okay I just, like, you can stay it. at home and wear it it's COVID I mean anyway. I have to stay at home right now COVID exactly <laughs> um okay so I think the the bar scene is really really fun uh, it's just like super uplifting, probably the most uplifting song in an entire musical. There aren't too many of those, surprisingly, just because the musical has a pretty light and breezy tone, despite centering around an incredibly traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was by far the the peak fun in the musical. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and after that, we go to Me in the Sky, which is the only solo in the musical, because I am here... Beulah gets to talk a little bit, and then Hannah gets to sing. So Me in the Sky is, uh, is a solo, and it's essentially the pilot Beverly who gets to reflect on her life from, you know, the conception of her obsession with flying and, and planes up until this moment. And it's completely based on the real-life person uh, Beverly Bass uh, and her experiences, and I think it's a very empowering, empowering mm-hmm. song. 1986, the first female American captain in history. Suddenly I'm in the cockpit. Suddenly I've got my wings. Suddenly all of those pilots protesting me. Well, they can get their own drinks. I love this song. Like, it's Aww. so emotional. Like, it really takes the audience with her, you know, on her journey from beginning to where she is right now. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the point where she was attacked, like, she was um, judged uh, for being mm-hmm. a female in, in the industry. Everything that she struggled with before really shows in her voice and just how mm-hmm. she presents and how she does the song was amazing. I don't know, like, to me, it's just, even, the song itself was um, performed by, you know, when she was sitting down, too. Yeah, that incredible. Is, that is incredible. That's mind-blowing, really. And just, like, <laughs> the notes, too, like, the, the emotion that's in the song, like, I just love it. For sure. And actually, the majority, or not the majority, the the musical, like, the set for it is very 
bare bones. Uh, you get to see occasionally the background of uh, trees, and then the actual set pieces themselves are just chairs and occasionally tables. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the the songs are actually performed sitting down, and because you have to, you have limited access to breathe. You like to breathe correctly when you sit down. Um, it's just incredibly mind-boggling that they may n- manage to produce such powerful notes and um, manage to have correct breath control in order to perform the songs that they do. And you can especially see it in this song. In this song, she has to sing such incredible, incredible notes, and it just I cannot believe she manages to do it while mainly sitting down. It's just an incredible feat. And um, it's also very emotional, like you mentioned. Uh, just out of curiosity, I I mentioned what's your favorite song. What's what's your and what's my favorite song? Sorry, what's yours? I is think it'll it? be this one. Yeah. Oh wow. this yeah. Is, you know, like the song for this music. I can see. Really. I can totally see why. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. like this and I am here are the the main big hitters from the song or sorry from this musical. But um, you get to see essentially how conflicted she feels right now because. Mm-hmm. We see, I guess, from the very beginning, how attached she is to flying into planes in general and how passionate she is about everything to the point where she literally fought discrimination and prejudice of her being a woman in uh, aviation. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did everything she could to an incredible level of success to having her um, to being the first female pilot in American art airline and having a uh, entirely female crew which I think happened in the 80s and to be in this moment where the one thing she loved more than anything was used as the bomb to destroy one of America's monuments essentially must be so gut-wrenching and left such a hole in her heart that Mm -hmm. uh, she she feels conflicted about flying again to to an extent uh, which is something she she gets over and also the fact that she has a personal stake here, besides the fact that she, she loves planes and flying, uh, the the pilot in the flight that crashed um, was, was somebody she knew personally, somebody she sat with at a pub before the flight itself, and uh, he, he was her friend. So it's, it's a very, very tough situation and moment that she is reflecting on. A heavy and musically, moment. it's just gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely heavy moment. And it's probably like the one of the peaks. Yeah. Um, right. So the next one is the Dover Fault. I don't have much to say about the song musically itself, but um, there are a lot of things that are happening here. So the passengers are actually getting ready to leave. They're boarding the plane to, le- to leave Gander. And um, we get to see Bob trying to raise money to help repay the townsfolk, which is such an incredible, generous thing to do. I um, love Bob. Okay, sorry. Bob I said that so way too cute. much. But, <laughs> listen, like you cannot contain your love for Bob. And I, I can relate. <laughs> um and we get to see nick and diane like the fact that they have to separate from each other because they live in different countries it dawns on them they don't want to separate obviously we get to see the kevins uh facing tensions between them uh kevin secretary kevin wants to go to brooklyn instead of la and he's just now telling boss kevin um, and we also get to see one of the uh, last instances of Islamophobia. Uh, one of the flight attendants refuses to fly with Ali. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has to go through a lot more rigid security measures, too, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the police have to question Ali, and he has to uh, compromise his religion because um, uh, there was a, a female policeman, a uh, policewoman, I guess, who questioned him and did a body search on him, and and that's taboo. Oh, I believe I believe the word is haram, but I'm not too sure. But um, he had to compromise his religion or to, in order to fly the plane. And uh, what was nice to see is that Beverly, the, the pilot, she stuck up to Ali and she told the flight attendant to actually fly with them. Um, she doesn't have a choice. So it's nice to see that somebody had his corner. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I wish I that know. happens in real life, too. <laughs> Uh, um, I, I believe it yeah. happens occasionally, but it should happen way more. Like the yeah, the kind of uh, the kind of racism and Islamophobia shouldn't be happening in the first place, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end of it, actually, we see that there is a flight delay, so they have to fix something on the plane, and all the uh, passengers have to unboard the plane, and uh, they have a few hours. And in the few hours, we see Diana and Nick, and uh, they're <clears throat> doing one last travel around the town, and uh, we see them sing the song "Stop the World." Don't have much to say about it. It's pretty touching duet. It's it's cute. Yeah, same. I mean, <laughs> this couple, I don't know, like their romantic storyline doesn't really stand out to me all that much. So, um, you know, it's like a nice song, I guess. But yeah, nothing else to say. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, I feel like there, there are a few songs that are pretty common in musicals like you have the the main hero song and I guess that's like me in the sky and mm. uh stop the world is like the lovers duet or the the couples duet or something that is also really common to have um so I guess it fulfills a quota I'm glad it's there I think it sounds cute and the, the music itself is nice but uh it, it didn't really have a, a big emotional impact on me yeah same. um Okay, but the next the next song is uh, 38 Planes Reprised, and um, Somewhere in the Middle of Nowhere, it has two names, I guess. For me, the rare bonobo chimpanzee baby died, and Aww. I was really, really sad. I was really, really sad. I was really attached to this narrative. I, I really wanted to see the baby alive, <laughs> but he died. And uh, apart from that, we see that the planes took off, no more Canada. We see Maine. We see Texas. Uh, and the plane people are back home, I guess. <laughs> oh, and one other thing, I guess. Uh, we get to see that Nick and Diane got together. Mm-hmm. And they were Yay. canoodling, which is a word I was in the backseat. <laughs> uh-huh. I think it's like a bittersweet song for me. Because of the rare bonobo sh- chimpanzee. Like, okay, that on too. one hand, they're going back home. But on the other hand, the chimpanzee died. Well, okay, that- I don't have that much of a strong feeling towards <laughs> that. <laughs> no, I was saying that um, in a way, I, I feel like if I were them, you know, part of me would feel happy and relieved that I'm finally going home. And part of me will be like, well, now it's time to deal with the reality, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So it, to me, it has that, that um, a little bit of the, bittersweet feeling to it but I don't know mm-hmm. if that's just me no no it's it's me too but I guess I have like a bit more of a different side for it but um <laughs> you really do care about it <laughs> I care about it I care about it a lot I I really liked um the fact that she was so invested in animals like she called them animal children and like human children and i i, I liked it a lot but uh, moving on the next song is another 
emotional peak with something missing and it is gut-wrenching and so 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 sad and especially heartbreaking with Hannah and Ali um so Ali has to explain to his daughter the yeah. new the new change I guess like of of what she should be expecting and the kind of prejudice that she will be seeing and Hannah finds out that her son died mm-hmm. it must be so difficult the the part where um Ali says that he drops uh, his daughter to school but his daughter mm-hmm. won't go because um now she's scared and he doesn't mm-hmm. know what to tell her and I think that really just strikes me a lot um I don't know, like, it must be hard for a parent to explain, you know, the situation and the, the discrimination that his kid is going to experience at school and having to explain why that is um, for something that they didn't commit. It's it's very difficult and challenging for a parent and obviously for a kid to understand it, too. So um, mm-hmm. that two short lines conveys like a lot of the struggles and challenges you have as um as an immigrant and obviously as a muslim so that really speaks with me and um and hannah's story arc like finally she finds out her son is gone i'm a little bit touched that the first person she thought of calling is Bayula. um oh my god yeah Bula. okay oh yeah no, no. yeah you're you're good you're good <laughs> <laughs> all right good yeah so I think that really means that, you know, like the support she provided for Hannah was mean something to her and and Hannah values it. She wants to share the news with her. That level of friendship and connection is also something that is just so beautiful throughout this story. Uh, yeah. The more depressing alternative of her calling Beulah because she has no one else because her son died. She doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have any other family. And now her son is gone and she has nobody else. And she calls the only other person that could be invested in her situation right now. Wouldn't that be so much more depressing? Man, Becky, this is so sad. That is so sad. That is so so sad um and i hope that's not the case i'm hoping she has a lot like a, a large support network and she has very enriched like enriched life that like people she can depend on to help her through this incredibly tough situation but if you want to make it the saddest situation scenario possible this is how you do it. you just did you just did and now i can't ever look at it ever the same again no. Oh, no, 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 She has a lot of people. She has a lot of people. Let's put it out there to the universe. There are a lot oh, of other too people. Too late, too late. In All her right. life. Um, <laughs> apart from them, we get to see some of the, I guess, less impactful, like still horrible, but less impactful um, pass- passenger uh, by this. So we get to see Nick and he's reflecting on the emptiness of his life uh, now that he's back in London and he has nothing besides his job and how much he misses uh, what he had with Dan. Um, which is so cute. Yeah. And also Kevin broke up. Yeah, the Kevins broke up. Um Kevin, boss Kevin said I miss his jokes, which yes, uh Secretary Kevin had a lot of great jokes and one liners. But also <laughs> something else, I find that a lot of Kevins in this show are supposed to be funny, because if I'm not mistaken, uh Hannah's son's name is also Kevin. Um so there are a lot of Kevins here that are they like jokes and are funny. I didn't but, I didn't know that, but okay. <laughs> I think she calls him Kev. So I'm assuming oh, you have to say Kev. 
Okay, okay. Um, good point, good point. And for the finale, I guess, uh, your fave Bob, we get to see that he's a bit more of a dimensional character. Um, he's really conflicted because on one hand, such a huge tragedy occurred. And on the other, he felt more alive and more like a person than he ever did because of the tragedy, because he got to experience Gander and see how it is when people are not awful to you. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know how to tell his dad that he feels so much better as a result of what happened. And it makes him feel really guilty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand that. Like, it's just, you know, eh, when life gives you a lemon, so when and then a person can make it into a lemonade, it's hard to explain it to um, to the other person who's still struggling, right? And, um, and so that is really relatable. But... Um, I don't know. I'm just happy to see Bob. So I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah, but I think it's interesting because, like, I feel like before that he was mainly comic relief, mm-hmm. and this gives his character a different side. Exactly. Exactly. And he's not just this funny dude, but you know, you kind of see this like a little bit of death into it. So um, exactly. that's very interesting. He's well rounded. Yes. Um. And now to the finale. So um. We get to see 10 years after the passengers, um, the plane people, I guess, come back to Gander to celebrate or not to celebrate, to uh, be there for the 10 year anniversary of 9-11 and um, come back to a time that was really emotionally impactful on them. Mm -hmm. And we get to see how they're doing now compared to 10 years ago. I think it's really cute. Like you get to see like Diane and Nick. They got married. (laughs) And... (laughs) And they actually um, went to Newfoundland for a honeymoon. Um, yes. You see that Kevin now is with another person and um, who's also his secretary. Oh, my God. Robin. Does he have a thing? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I think it's a type. It's, it's a very weird type to always. And I'm actually questioning the ethics of dating your secretary. <laughs> but um, it's not like it's illegal or anything. But uh, I, I think yeah. he has a type. Well, yeah, we just leave it there. Okay. And, we leave it there, yes. Yeah. We so actually don't get to see the other Kevin, by the way. So that's that's strange. Oh, yeah, that's sad. That is sad. Yeah, but I, I guess, like, he didn't really feel that connected to Newfoundland anyway. So maybe that's why. That's, oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's true. Yeah. Um, and apart from that, I mean, we find out that Beulah and Hannah stay in touch. Uh, whenever they hear a really, really bad joke, they call the other person to tell them, which is so wholesome. <laughs> That's so cute. So cute yeah. Right? And uh, they also visited each other. So I believe Beulah flew to New York to visit Hannah. And I think Hannah flew to Gander another time. But I'm not too, too sure about that. And the chimpanzee had another baby. Yes, very important. Important. That's the highlight of the song. Like it's the one key takeaway. It is for me. It's the entire story, the entire come from away is actually all about the rubber noble chimpanzee, which I like saying the entire thing. It just gives it like more of a gravitas. It is an impressive animal, um, and it's all about their struggle, the struggle of a of a mom that had like a, a difficult birth, and then. She she really struggled with the death of her baby, and then we saw her overcome that throughout the play and having another baby and finding ultimate happiness. Wow, when you put it like that, yes, <laughs> this is a very important and critical storyline. Exactly. I'm, I'm glad that you're appreciating it. 
I am, I am. <laughs> Very impressed. And um, like I said before, we find out that Ali is asking for the fish and cheese recipe for his restaurant. Ew. Ew. Um, <laughs> Oh, man. You can never convince me on this, I don't think. But, uh, yeah. (laughs) But apart from that, it's very, very cute, very wholesome. The the last thing I think we see is that uh, Newfoundland is the only other place in the world outside the U.S. to have steel from the World Trade Center. Um, So, obviously, it wasn't only a big event to the people from Gander and to the plain people themselves, but the United States as a whole saw the generosity coming from uh, the town and decide to recognize it, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we can go for our overall impressions. And, and final rating. Yes. Yes, final rating. I feel like for this musical, some of the big big themes and some, some things we already talked about were, um, I guess, prejudice and racism already um and the aspect of fantasy versus reality like what racism in canada looks like i suppose and even though it's really nice i feel like to to see an ideal society um or some kind of a utopia where everybody loves everybody else to for the most part i guess it it doesn't really exist and apart from that we get to see other themes of like acceptance which kind of ties into the prejudice and racism and you get to see like the utter kindness and generosity of the town people in helping just distressed human beings and the notion of like we all come from a way so like we're all different people and because we're all different people uh we got to be kind to each other we got to support each other exactly i think that sort of connection is really what um moved me in this musical as like they start off as like total strangers they're thinking about Mm -hmm. you know taking the airport down but in the end like when nobody was thinking about it like they were able to help these many people and not just Mm -hmm. by providing shelters and food but also emotionally being there to support them and in a way they changed a lot of people's lives um not just what happened with the incident of 9-11 but also just the fact that there is this like support system that's going on around um Mm -hmm. it helps people like hannah it helps people like bob like it's just really nice to see that and the other thing that i really appreciate in this musical is just all the canadian references to like Tim Hortons and shoppers and things like that like it's very Celine Dion exactly exactly and as a Canadian I appreciate I enjoy it a lot um just Mm -hmm. because like I really feel relatable to all the little things that you know pops in here and there um makes it really really Canadian so this is definitely really a great musical if you want to get to know a little bit more Canadian culture there you go so yeah (laughs) I think overall I would give it like maybe a 7.5 7.5 out of 10 yeah but music 7.5 out of 10 what oh sorry yes the cod because <laughs> the cod is the cod. icon yes that is um, that is true that is true <laughs> cod is iconic i would say they're the second iconic thing in this musical i would give this musical an 8.5 out of 10 rare bonobo chimpanzees oh man um, i should have seen that coming <laughs> you should have and that's exactly why the cod is the second okay. most iconic thing okay. in this i can musical. accept that mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but in general like uh yeah the canadian iconography is really really impressive here uh tim Hortons, shoppers rogers all the stuff that might go over somebody's head 
who's not from Canada, because like this is also like has been on Broadway, has been internationally as well. Um, and I can imagine it's like, oh, Tim Hortons, what is that? But um, there's also a lot of Newfoundland slang that is woven throughout the lyrics of the musical. Mm-hmm. And I bet that goes over our head. So for ultimate enjoyment, like be a Newfoundlander, I guess, <laughs> like the song suggests, and you would get all the references, hopefully. And if exactly. you don't, let us know. And also if the accent is... Um, it's another thing. Is yeah. As, yeah, if the accent is, is less... Uh, pronounced or more pronounced because uh, I think we said before I think they toned down the accents from what it is actually mm-hmm. so um, let us know please and you can do that by uh, reaching out to our social media so you can find us um, at Podway Podcast on uh, Reddit on Instagram and on Twitter and you can also email us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com Yes, that was so smooth. <laughs> thank you, well, thank you. Well, I, that... I practice, right? <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. It sounded perfect. Thanks. <laughs> I love the supportive side of you. <laughs> well, so I think that wraps us up for um, this episode. So feel free to comment and to let us know what you think of it. If you've seen the musical, let us know. Um, you know which one is your favorite song where like did you get all the Canadian references if you have not seen the musical we strongly suggest to see it because it is really a heartwarming musical to see and um it's really fun it's really cute so there you go all right well thank you for listening and um we will see you in our next episode thanks so much bye bye